0: You are listening to the City on a Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church and to support this ministry, visit cityonahilldfw.com.
1: Thank you. Uh, I got to see that video a good uh, number of times over the, the last uh, couple of weeks, and um, whenever I see it, it reminds me of the, uh, t- the trip that we took in 2013 and just, uh, just the smiles and the joy that, that were on the, the faces of uh, the families and the children that we, that we met. It really, even in the face of, of having so little, you know, they was, had, had shown this ability to, to be happy and to find contentment in, in the smallest of things. And uh, we're going to get to talk about that here some uh, a little bit this morning. Uh, hopefully you had a good... Thanksgiving this week, and uh, I don't know if you have a tradition of uh, sharing around your table the things that you are uh, thankful for. Uh, we, we did have a season this, this week to, uh, to reflect on many things that we're thankful for in, in our home. Uh, Emma's uh, parents got to join us from England the first time in nearly three years. We got to uh, spend time together, and, and so the borders from the uh, UK to US opened on November 8th, and eight days later, they were here to uh, come and hang out with us, and so we were super thankful. We had a great time with our kids and with them, uh, making memories, going, do things, and it, it makes it easy sometimes to be thankful, right? There, there, are, there are just certain seasons where it just feels like it's, uh, it, it's a, a, not a difficult thing to give thanks to God for the things that He is doing in our, in our lives. And um, other times, that's not the case. In other seasons, there, there are challenges, you know, in, in other times there are moments where all we can really think about is, is the loss that we've experienced and, and, the, and the hurt that we're currently going through and the financial challenges that, that we have and, and the job situations that we're on it. we find it hard to be thankful. And um, we're going to talk some about those things this morning and, and what the Bible says about it individually, but collectively as a church, uh, I want to tell you some things that we have to be thankful for. Uh, We uh, have a lot of good things going for us here at City on a Hill. Uh, We are a church that is uh, growing not only just in in size, but we're a church that I see people growing in their faith all the time as I get them involved in in different uh, freedom groups and life group and uh, as I see people connected to community and Bible study, just people are growing and good things are, are happening here through, through the ministry here. Uh, we are grateful that we are a church that is debt-free and, and the freedom that that brings to us as a, as a body, uh, especially in challenging times like this. Uh, we are a church that has uh, transitioned to a new senior leader and it's only brought positive things. And that can be said a lot of times, you know, in, in different churches, even churches I've been a part of that had a, a change of senior leadership, and it, it was tough. And it was painful, but this has just brought more and more opportunities for both for James, for Derek, and for City on the Hill as, as a whole. It's, it's just an amazing thing. We've got so many good things to uh, be thankful for. And uh, it is easier to be thankful when, when things are going well. Um, and, uh, but the Bible tells us you know, that uh, whether things are going well or things are not going as well, we should be thankful. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians five, verse twenty: "Giving, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." First Thessalonians five, eighteen: "Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." You know, have you ever talked to someone and, and asked them a question, and they said, hmm, "Let me go away and pray about whether that's God's will for me or not." You know, it's typically a, a spiritual answer for no, you know. And, uh, but going away, and if the, the Scriptures here are, are really clear that, uh, that it says, give thanks in all circumstances, that is God's will for you. It, it's something that we, we have to learn how to do. And Psalm 116 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. And that's just an interesting verse to me, that, that there are times... Where being grateful and giving an offering of thanks to God is nothing but a sacrifice. It's just hard. It doesn't feel like God's earned it (laughs) in that moment. You know, like when I look around me and things, my prayers are not being answered the way I want them to. My work situation might not be how I want it to look. My finances aren't where I projected they would be, you know. And we have these these different moments in our lives where we look at the things going on around us and thanksgiving is just a sacrifice. It's hard to have that attitude. Um, Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 4 and he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last... You renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him, Who gives me strength. And he tells us twice in this passage that contentment is not something that we are naturally born with. You know, he says in two different places that I have learned to be content. You know, and it's something that he has had to understand through experience and come to be able to be content. And it's not just a a natural response. You know, contentment doesn't come naturally to to most of us. And most of the time, uh, we we look at our lives and what we have and where we are at and how things are going and and where my relationships are and and what's going on in, in my career and in my family. And we compare that to what we want to have. And, and we look forward to what we are projecting our life should be and, and how we want things to be and how we want things to be going. And when we do that, we become discontent with what we have right now. Comparison is the thief of contentment. And when we uh, get into this habit of always measuring against something that we don't have, we find ourselves to be unhappy you know, whether that's in our material things, whether that's in our relationships, whether that's in our situations that we find ourselves in, we, we, we get into this habit of being discontent and being discontent because we're always comparing with the things that we don't have. It it robs us of our joy, but maybe worse, it robs us of our generosity. Because when we become so discontent because we're measuring against our situation versus what we want to have or do or be, we focus all of our resources on getting what we want. <laughs> and, we, and we forget that everything behind us and the people around us, because we're so focused on trying to make ourselves content or happy or successful or to reach the goals that we're trying to, and we, and we lose the art of being content and it's something like Paul we have to learn we have to learn how to be content he also said in this passage that um, that he knows what it is to be in need and i don 't know uh, if if we can relate if you can relate to that to that statement that do we really know uh, what it is to to be in need I read an article uh, from uh, a magazine called Observer uh, from 2016. So it's a little ways, you know, it's a little old now, but the the stats probably haven't changed a whole lot. And uh, it was labeled, the glass is fuller than you think. And this is one of the things it said in this this paragraph. It said, if you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world if you also have money in your bank, your wallet, and some spare change, you are now among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. And and we, we are more likely to look at what we have and compare it to the millionaires of this world than we are to compare it to the millions that are in poverty. that that don't have the basic things that they need, the 92% of the world that have less than you do. And and it may be something learned in the West. It may be something learned here in the the great United States of America. But we've learned to be discontent because we measure against wanting more, more than we learn to be content with what we have and look at the people who have less than we have that have a need that we could meet. And the Bible starts to unpack um, some, some instructions about this. But listen to these two, two uh, statistics from uh, Compassion International. And nearly one out of every 10 people in the world live below the international poverty line. That's 689 million people struggling to survive on less than $1.90 a day. Nearly 2 billion people... Well, 26% of the world's population live on less than $3.20 a day. And, and we are in this habit of, of being so ill-content with our situations that we become blind to those things. You know, we become very self-absorbed. And I hate to call people selfish when I'm standing on it. There's more of you than there is of me. Uh, but, you know, it, we can get into that habit of, of just thinking about me. And I can get into that habit of just thinking about me and my family, and and you kind of put shudders on what's going on all around us in this world. And the Word of God is is very clear about about what we should do about, about this problem of poverty. In Hebrews 13, it says, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is an instruction. Don't neglect to do good and share what you have with people who need it. It's pleasing to God. Luke 12, verse 33 to 34, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. When no thief approaches and no moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if you're like me, uh, but I like to think about the long-term future and make sure I've taken care of uh, things financially and prepared. We, in the, Back in the black class that we have on Wednesday nights, we, the last session we had was on retirement, and it was about are you prepared, not only with what you're going to do with your money. Have you got enough finances to take care of, of what you will need at that time in your life? Are you preparing for it? Well, what will you do with your time? What will you do with the talents that God's given you? And, and we had a great discussion about that. But sometimes we can get very consumed with the things of this world. <laughs> You know, and, and think about, I'm going to prepare for myself, I'm going to take control of my life and my future, and I'm going to have everything I need and forget that there is an eternity beyond that. That being generous and giving to the poor is adding to in eternity so much more than our retirement funds are on this earth. Uh, there's some warnings that are pretty serious in, in, in scriptures about this too. In Proverbs 28... Verse twenty seven, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Like hiding your eyes from, from this problem of poverty might look like switching over the channel when it comes up telling you, Hey, here's an opportunity to help these people. And I really do get that sometimes because it's hard to know which of these organizations we can really trust to, right? With with our money, how much is actually going to the problem versus going to the CEO's pocket? Compassion International is an organization we completely trust. More than 86% goes directly. And that's a very low, 14% is a very low uh, amount of overhead to keep things running and, and advertise and, and get, and get the, you know, the, uh, the, the ministry out there to be effective. And, um, but it's hard when we see these things, so we, we hide our eyes from it. You know, other times we, we see it around us locally, we see a need and we just, we try not to make eye contact, you know, and, and we're guilty of this hiding our eyes in, in different ways, whether it's from seeing poverty on a screen or whether it's seeing it right in front of you, we have this habit of avoiding poverty and, and trying to not allow it to become something that we are now responsible for because we're aware of it. There's a certain level of safety in our ignorance to poverty. But the Bible warns us, don't do that. Proverbs 21, uh, 13, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. How's that for a kind and loving God? (laughs) You know, we like to talk about it here at City on a Hill, that there is a direct uh, correlation to our relationships with people and our intimacy with the Father. And, and, and often we talk about that in terms of our uh, emotional relationships, forgiveness, confession. Um, you know, being able to move on and uh, forgive people who have hurt us. And, 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 and we talk about that a lot, how that affects our intimacy with God. But this says here, whoever closes his ear to the poor impacts his relationship with God. And, and, and it's, a, it's a serious thing that we, we neglect when we choose not to respond to a significant and a real need on this, on this earth. There's also some blessings that the Bible talks about to those who give to the poor. Uh, Proverbs 11, uh, 24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase that you can't bet too much on a winning horse? You know, God is in the business of winning, right? He is in the business of doing what He says He will do. And if He says that He will take care of the people who take care of His people, then He will do it. And this is a really a great promise for us to, to cling on to that God will uh, enrich the ones who. Uh, who bless others in Proverbs nineteen? Uh, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And, and so the scripture is is really uh, repetitive in this observation that there are people around us who have a need that we can meet with the provision that God has given to us, and now we have a choice to make in what we're going to do with what God has given to us. And uh, it doesn't sound good for the people who choose not to be generous and help people and keep it all for themselves. And, and so, we, so we, we look at these scriptures and that we get to a point of having to make a, a decision. Do we believe the scripture or not? And do we act on it or not? You know, in uh, 2013, uh, I had only been here a few months at City on a Hill, and there was a group uh, from this church that were already planning and had been planning to go to Nakuru, Kenya, um, actually to fly into Nairobi and then drive out to Nakuru, and uh, and one of the members of our church was unable to attend that trip, uh, fairly last minute, and um Thankfully, was, we were able to change the name on the on the flight uh, for about 50 bucks. It, we, it was just a s- small change uh, to be able to add me to that trip, and I got to go. I think James was uh, pretty happy about that because there, uh, there was 10 ladies from our church and James that were going. And so, uh, so I had the chance to go and give uh, James some male company and uh, get to go and see what our church was doing because our church had been so generous. We had given... To uh, money to fund the complete uh, construction of a school in Nakuru, where the kids were meeting uh, under the shade of a tree in the heat of the day, uh, we was able to provide a safe building, a construction for them to two-story construction for them to learn about Jesus Christ, forgiveness to learn about Jesus Christ's love for them, to be educated. They had the doctors uh, come and check them uh, on a regular basis at this school. It was just a great thing that we was able to provide uh, to this uh, community in the Kuru. And so we were going for the opening of that school and to kind of put the f- finishing touches on there. We, we got to paint and do some, you know, practical finishing up and, and, uh, and see that building open and, and be put to use for the first time. And it was an awesome thing. The problem for me on this trip when I was traveling is everybody going had already sponsored a child from that area. I was the only one who had never sponsored a child from that area. And um, they were showing me their photographs and some of them were photos they'd received in the mail and some were on their phones and they were sharing with me stories about these kids and telling me their names and who their family were and, and, and what they'd learned as they had wrote to their child and, and the child had written back to them and and just how great of a relationship they, they had with each other uh, from across seas and how Compassion International had you know managed that in a safe way and an effective way for them to get to know each other and and how they've been able to provide monthly for the needs of that kid and man it was just really cool to hear all these stories but I was growing increasingly aware that I was going to show up on that day when all the kids came and be the only one standing there with, with no one that I knew. But I was also the only person that got to go on that trip and meet the kid that I would go on to sponsor. And uh, his name uh, was Christopher. I want to show you a picture of Christopher up here. Good name, right? Um, so uh, that's uh, the little guy in front of me, that's goodness. Uh, he was actually sponsored by a member of our church. At one time, we had uh, more than 300 kids in this area were sponsored by City on a Hill. And uh, this was one of the, the kids that was sponsored by a member of our church that was unable to attend this trip that had planned to. And she said, hey, you can have my ticket, but you better hug that little kid for me and tell him I love him. And so I did. I got to do that. And then I met Christopher. He's the, uh, the guy on my left-hand side here and, um, and so we got to meet and hang out and it was a really cool thing. We uh, had taken the whole group of, of kids that uh, were sponsored by our, our mission team and uh, went to a playground and everyone got to play together and we spent a few hours um, just enjoying their company and, and playing games and having fun and then we were able after that to spend some one-on-one time uh, with the kids that we, uh, that we had grown fond of and, and had relationships with and that I had just met, Christopher. And uh, this is a picture of that moment where we got to spend some time one-on-one. This is actually inside the school that City on the Hill uh, built. And um, this, uh, this bag of, of gifts, um, to me, were such simple, such simple things, such simple gifts. You know, and many of you who have uh, kids or grandkids or children that you like to to uh, buy presents for at Christmas, um, you may be similar to us, where there, there may be one or two. Uh, big items or more expensive items that you like to buy for your kids or your grandkids and you, you weigh up, you know, we can't buy all of these things, which one do you think that they're going to enjoy the most and, and we bless them that way and we like to buy good things for our kids and then uh, if you're like me, I like to also give them quantity of cheap things. And, um, and so we would call them stocking stuffers, right? And so it's a, it's a lot of things that uh, are small that, you know, they're, they're not very expensive um, and they, they may get played with uh, for the day or they may not, who knows. But uh, to me, a lot of the things in, in this bag were, were more like stocking stuffers. They weren't things that had a very high price tag. You know, they're things that get discarded on a daily basis on Christmas Day, here in the United States, a coloring book, some, some crayons, that, same kind of crayons you might find when you go to a restaurant and get the kids' menu for free. You know, si- simple things that were a part of this little gift. And I have never seen a person smile as big as Christopher did when he received those, those items and those gifts. And I've come to learn since then that, uh, that the things that he received then, he had definitely not received before and likely wouldn't receive again afterwards um, but they were things that he would go on and share with his friends and with his siblings, and and they have learned something. Uh, the kids that we met on that trip have learned something uh, that many of us have not, and that's how to be content with little. And uh, and I saw it firsthand, and uh, I can dr- do my best to describe what that was like, but it's it's very hard to to describe the the joy and the contentment with something. Uh, that we might deem as, as so small. But it was such a joy that we got to do that and we got to meet them. And in 2023, 10 years on from that trip, we intend to go back and to uh, to do the same thing and to give you the opportunity, uh, if you sponsor a child in the Kuru to come and after a year or so of, of building a relationship with them, getting to know them, to get to go and meet them. Uh, well, who knows what 2023 is going to bring travel-wise but that is our hope, that is our, that is our intent, that we would get to do that. And uh, today we wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, meet a gentleman that is uh, a uh, graduate of the Compassion Program. Uh, he grew up in Nairobi, Kenya, and wanted to come here today to share a little bit of his story. Would you please welcome Anthony? So, welcome, buddy. Um, so, we wanted to uh, start out uh, this morning just hearing a little bit about what life was like for you uh, growing up in Nairobi, Kenya.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a joy to be here. This is my first time to Texas, so glad to be here. <laughs> um, to be honest, growing up in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, it's the third largest slum of Nairobi, it was hopelessness was hopelessness in the sense that you'd wake up in the morning and there would be no food to eat. There would be a sense of hopelessness when you'd go be walking to school and you'd see the bodies of unborn babies dumped in the sewage or in the dam sites being eaten by dogs. There was a sense of hopelessness when you'd go to class and half of the classroom is empty because some of your classmates didn't make it that day. They passed away because of sickness that, was too, that is sickness that is too cheap to cure. But their parents cannot afford to take them to, to hospital. It was a sense of hopelessness when some of your friends didn't make past the age of 12. There was a sense of hopelessness when your best friend got sold as a prostitute at the age of 10 by her mother because her mom couldn't afford to take care of the rest of the family, and she didn't money to do that. There was a sense of hopelessness when, for example, during Christmas, you couldn't afford food. And I remember there were times my mom boiled stones, and I kept asking when is the food going to be ready, and she kept telling me to wait. And I fell asleep, and the next morning when I woke up, looked into the pot, it was stones that she was boiling. It was a sense of hopelessness when your mom used to work five jobs just to put one meal on the table and pay rent and take you to school. That's how it was growing up.
1: Well, Yeah. You know, many of us find it hard to imagine growing up with some of those questions hanging over us. You know, what? you know, what's going to happen today? You know, am I going to get to eat today? Oh, am I yeah. going to survive today? How, how, did that, how did that ever change? You know, I can't imagine the, the difference between I don't have what I want today to live,
0: well, yeah.
1: um, but I also don't think I ever will. That hopelessness yes. of like, I just don't see how this will change. How did that change when you met the people at Compassion?
0: I always, tell from my, I always tell people that joining Compassion is when my life story changed. I remember going to the project for the first time, and there were all these kids you know, playing and having fun. And you see in the slums, there's no place to play. We don't have playgrounds. The only playground you have is the dam sites. But the problem with playing in the dam sites is that the hospitals throw used needles in the dam sites. So you'd end up stepping on a needle. Also the problem with the, the dam sites is that you've likely come across a dead body. But the most dangerous thing of, in the slums, it was a lot of prostitution and a lot of children would get kidnapped and sold and trafficked as sex slaves. And seriously, you didn't even feel a sense of security. But for the first time, there was this playground. We were jumping. We were running around. But then the most beautiful thing is that they would give us food. Mm. And I remember them serving us a plate that every Saturday would go there and they would give us a plate of rice, beans, and meat. You see, meat was very precious and I remember as a kid, I would get the meat, and I would put it in my pocket. And on my way home, I would be taking tiny bits of the meat just to savor the occasion. But then, the most beautiful thing that ever happened was getting a pencil. You see, growing up in the slum, it's, you were so poor that you couldn't even afford a pencil. And my mom used to work an extra job just to get a pencil and cut it into three pieces. And each piece was for each semester. So if you lost a piece, that was it. But at the Compassion Project, guess what? They gave me a whole pencil. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it had an eraser on top. I was the (laughs) coolest kid in the whole school that day. And it was things like those that started making me aware that I was in somewhere different. But then the the thing that I saw was, because of the Compassion Project, I was able to not only afford school fees, but school uniform. And that allowed my mom not to work those many jobs she was working. She was able to concentrate on her health and also just on my other siblings as well. But then at the Compassion Project, I was able to learn English. I was able to study. I was able to uh, do homework. But then the greatest gift of all was knowing about Jesus. Yeah. And that was the greatest gift compassion ever gave
1: me. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. You. you know, uh, you said you have, you have siblings. How many siblings do you have? Oh,
0: I come from a family of six, and I am the youngest. <laughs> um, and it was tough. It was tough for mom taking care. Of, you know, she was a single parent taking care of six of us. And sadly, a lot of them have passed away uh, because growing up in the Salami is tough, to be honest. There's alcohol, there's prostitution, there's crime. And a lot of them fell prey to that. But the greatest joy was because of my, me being sponsored. My mom started coming to the church where the Compassion Project was. And through that, she came to Christ as well. And the greatest gift also was seeing my brother, who for years struggled with alcoholism, but then started coming to the church, because he kept wondering, where is this guy going every Saturday? And he came, and through that, he also came to Christ as well. And just seeing him getting getting
1: free from the bounds of uh, alcoholism. Um, yeah. um, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And uh, man, something that you may not know, uh, Compassion, for, the, for a lot of times, as far as I understand it, they, they will not have multiple siblings in the program. The, the benefit of the $38 a month that you would give to sponsor a kid in, um, in Kuru or anywhere in the world uh, would also have a, a benefit to the family. Is absolutely, that, that right?
0: absolutely. And it's, it's, it's incredible how it works, that through one child, the whole family benefits. Yeah. Because by me being in the sponsorship program, we, every once a month we would get a package of food. Yeah. And the whole family would get to share in that. But then also now looking uh, out of that opportunity, a lot of the kids that got sponsored through Compassion came back and started sponsoring other children as well. A good example is after I graduated from Compassion and started working, I was able to sponsor five children as well, something so amazing. But then, thank you, but then something beautiful was that a lot of the sponsored children also, after growing up and getting jobs, we decided to go back to the slums we went back to the slums and we started a program for single mothers who are HIV positive. We started teaching them computers and giving them skills to be able to apply for jobs. We started youth programs where a lot of the young people, instead of joining gangs or, or crime, they can come into the program and learn how to do career skills and get how to write resumes and apply for jobs. And through that, through that one small child... The whole slum is changed slowly and slowly. Wow. Well, yeah. and that, Amazing! And that's really awesome.
1: Yeah. I remember when we had uh, we had gone in, in 2013, and, and we met a gentleman that was in, in uh, college. He was a graduate of Compassion, and uh, had done very well at school with the help that Compassion had given him. And he'd gone to college, and we talked to him afterwards about life uh, life now, what life yes. is like now, and. And, you know, does it give you the chance to help, to help others? And he, he said something I'll, I'll never forget. And he said, absolutely. I was assisted that I may assist. That's, that's why I was helped, so that, that I can help others. And um, what are you doing now? You, you told me you're, you're here now? You live Yes, here in the I, live,
0: I live in the U.S. I got a scholarship uh, to come and study in the U.S. I studied uh, for masters in theology. And also for a master's in computer science. So that's computer science is my background Um, and been living here. But then the opportunity to be here has allowed me to bless so many other people back at home. And I stand here as a testimony of the of the sacrifice my sponsor made. I I wish I met my sponsor, but I, I didn't get a chance to. Uh, I was telling you guys earlier how, you know, at the Compassion Project, every Saturday would all be called into the middle of the of the field, and they'll call each. If you got a letter from your sponsor, you get called. You go get your letter, and you go somewhere at the back, you know, laughing, reading the letter from your sponsor. And at the at the end, there'll be always these kids who be left in the middle of the field who did not get letters from their sponsor. And I was always that one kid. And one day I got so angry that I went to the project uh, director and I was like, how come my sponsor never writes me a letter? And the project director looked at me and told me, it's because you don't write long enough. So I went back and I wrote a four-page letter to my sponsor. And I was like, yes, this time they're going to reply. Unfortunately they did not. But I know their name. Their name is Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Kind. It was such a very nice last name. And I am here because of them. That sacrifice they made, they didn't realize it then. But God used that to change my life and to change the life of so many others. And that's why I'm here today. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: so awesome. You know, we, uh, we kind of underestimate the uh, significance of, of writing. If you have a, a child that you sponsor, that money is is going to p- providing health care, is going to oh, provide yeah. food, is Absolutely. going to provide education. Yeah. So many positive things. Uh, but hey, that letter, yes, that letter is valuable important. too. That, and Compassion have made it easy. Yeah. They have an app. You can now you can write in the app, and they will print it and give it to the kid on the other side. And uh, and then some you can receive back that way too, if that's something you prefer. They they made it easy for you to keep that connection. So Absolutely. hopefully, Mr. and Mrs. Kind, yes, in the future yeah. will not yeah. forget to do that. Um, but it's uh, it's become such a um, a simple way for us to get our minds around something as huge and as seemingly impossible to tackle as poverty. That Compassion International has just put individual faces to something that just seems unstoppable. Oh, yeah. And uh, hopefully today you'll, you'll have that chance to to take a look at some of the, uh, the faces of some of the children that have that need, uh, to have someone that will pray for them, that will support them financially, the things that they need, and ultimately give them hope. Absolutely. And I was tell
0: my friends, joining Compassion is it's an invitation to be in a, in a relationship, a relationship where Christ is the center It's an opportunity to minister to a kid who has never experienced what love is. And a lot of the kids out there, like you go outside the compassion booth, there are all these packets. And a lot of these kids come from an area called Nakuru. And Nakuru is known for a lot of, unfortunately, prostitution. And right now there's a lot of poverty going on right there. And this is a chance to come into this child's life and speak truth into this child. Some of them have not been told they are beautiful. Some of them have never been told that they are loved. Some of them don't even have parents. But this is an opportunity to be in that parent, to be that friend, to be that brother, to be that sister to these children. But also say it takes us further It's an opportunity where two people are released from poverty. Here in America, there's a poverty, a poverty of plenty. And also across the world, there's a poverty, a poverty of lack of food. And these are two people coming together and saying to Christ, release us from our poverty. Mm -hmm. And through that, both we see the kingdom being built here on earth in such a beautiful and lovely way. Thirty-eight dollars is a lot, but also a little, too little. And I know all of us have so many you know, priorities, but it's a simple sacrifice,
1: yeah.
0: especially when we put it in the hands of God and say, this is the little I can give, but God says, fine, give it to me, and look what he does at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. He changes our life so tremendously. That even me, when I talk about my life, if, if they ever write anything about my life, my sponsor and compassion will always be part of that story. Yeah. So it's an invitation to that. And it's very simple. If you get a chance, just go outside, get a pamphlet, a, a packet, and just fill out the details and hand it, or the, the part that is filled out to the volunteers at the booth. And from there, the rest is history.
1: Yeah. yeah, thank yeah. you so much. That's yeah. awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, stay here. I have you. Uh so, so, yeah, we have that opportunity today. You have that opportunity to uh, become a sponsor to, to one of these kids and, and help release them from poverty to, to provide hope to, to these kids. And so there's a couple of things we would just ask. And so uh, the first thing would be uh, please don't take a packet away Today, if you didn't complete it, to to sponsor that kid, we don't want any kids to miss the opportunity to have a sponsor. And so, don't uh, take that packet away. If you're not ready to um, to sponsor a kid today, you want to think about it. Take some time to pray about whether that is God's will for you. Uh, you can. Um, go home pray about it we're going to keep this table here for a, a few more weeks okay so you can come and and do that here or you can go on to the uh, city on the hill dfw.com website and we have uh, all the same uh, opportunities uh, online just just for this project here in the kuru and so you can go in home and, and do it that way too um, but we're going to finish a few minutes early today to give you a chance to go and see some of these faces and, and think about it. Uh, Miss Michelle Leverett is our compassion uh, representative for City on a Hill. So any questions you have about the process, <laughs> uh, she's, there she is waving to us right now. Um, you, can, uh, you can go to her and ask her and she will uh, let you know um, what to do. But Absolutely. would you uh, mind closing for
0: Thank us? Thank you, sir. I'll be holding yeah. it down. Um, gracious Father, we are thankful We are thankful and we are grateful that you have allowed us to be here, to be gathered together like this, Father, to worship you and to give you praise, oh dear God. And as the song said, dear Father, even the rocks worship you, dear Lord. Who are are we not to worship you, Father? And we say thank you, Lord, for the gift of life, for the gift of breath, for the gift of having life, dear Father. We are grateful for that. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to change lives, dear God, be it in a simple and a minute way, dear Lord, but Father, you come into that and you make it even greater and bigger for the kingdom, dear Lord. Mm-hmm. And Father, we ask that you give us a chance to have the same heart like the one you have, a heart for the rest of the humanity, a heart for those that are suffering, dear God, that will bring your kingdom here on earth, dear Father. Lord, I pray that you will bless us even as we depart from this place, as we go into our daily lives, dear God. Be with each and every person that is here today, dear Lord. Continue to show yourself to us and through us, dear Father, and bring us to be able to allow others to see you working in our lives, dear Lord. We love you and we worship you, dear Father. For this we pray, believing and trust in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, thank you. I think Anthony's going to, uh, yeah. You, you uh, stay with us and, and, and meet people that might want to say hi here at the table. That would be, that would be great. All right, well, guys, thank you. Go and uh, take some time to uh, look at those packets. We will see you here uh, next Sunday. Uh, yeah.